This is Dr. Bob Patton. Welcome to Making Much of His Mission. His mission, of course, is to see many come to Lord Jesus Christ. The Bible says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God, so we can't be with Jesus Christ. The Bible says further, The wages of sin is death. We are separated from Him and ultimately will go to hell. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He gives us this as a gift. We can't earn it, but we can receive it. For as many as received him, to them gave he power to become children of God. So as we receive Jesus Christ, he comes into our life, gives us his life, which is eternal life, and allows us to spend eternity with him. That is ultimately his mission. Let us all yield totally to the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as our personal Savior. And now, the message for today. Welcome to the Review on Cultural Anthropology. We need to remind ourselves that culture is something that uh, we grow up with, and by the time we've been at six years, we simply absorb the culture. It's how we pattern our lives, how we order our lives, and this occurs so often that it actually becomes an automatic thing. We overlearn it. Once that pattern is set, it is difficult to move out of the pattern to another uh, pattern, and this is this is what we call our culture. Now, when we study other people's culture as well, we call it anthropological cult uh, or cultural anthropology. Uh, by the way, it's very difficult to alter culture once that framework is set. It's kind of like you uh, glue a bunch of stuff together. You said, "Oh, I think I'll change it around." It's not so easy. Uh, the cultural anthropology studies the entire culture, including the worldview and total behavior. Uh, it shows how we meet the needs that are around us, and we put it all together. Why do we study this? To understand ourselves, to understand others, to understand the Bible. The Bible is written in a cultural context others wise. And with that information, we are better able to communicate the gospel to others. Anthropology shows a lot about cultural communication, uh, whether it's through the media or through its one-to-one, face-to-face, uh, by literature or whatever. It looks at the worldview. The worldview is the assumptions. Notice we say it's the assumptions that we have about the world around us. It uh, focuses on our values. It focuses on our feelings, and our way of conceiving things. Now, naturally, because we are sinners, our culture is contaminated with the sin, and that is true of every culture, because all people are sinners. We also have our culture tinted by our personality and the personal experiences which we have, things that may have uh, distressed us. For example, let's say a small child is bitten by a uh, vicious dog, is afraid of dogs, okay, that culture, uh, that child's behavior would be not that everybody's afraid of dogs, but that particular child might be because of his experience. Uh, and some of these things will end up with various types of prejudice as uh, because of our past experience or the experience of those around us. Now, naturally, uh, our culture is filtered 
then everything we see is filtered. It's like wearing a pair of spectacles. If uh, you had red spectacles, everything would look red. If they were blue, everything would look blue. And so we never really see, the only one who has completely clear spectacles, we can say, that sees it as it really is, is God himself. Now, we uh, never get complete learning because it's always filtered, but uh, and it's filtered through this. And sometimes when we are confronted by another model of reality, suddenly we have a paradigm shift in our culture, particularly when people go to another culture, maybe overseas or somewhere else. And sometimes that is so striking that we have culture shock. Sometimes we will switch back and forth. Uh, like when in Rome do as the Romans do. So in one area we look at things in this way and then another in another area. But cultures do vary and cultures demonstrate the many ways that people can adapt to their environment. As someone said, there's many ways to skin a cat and there's many ways to adapt uh, into a culture. So although there will be common themes, uh, people in different uh, situations may adapt differently and people in a similar situation may come up with different solutions. Because of the fact that our sin nature is involved in this, our culture is actually contaminated by that, and how we adapt to this may show whether we are going to be an instrument of God, a godly culture, or an instrument of Satan himself. And we see some of these, I would say, like Isis and Baka Haram, we can also say that culture saves a lot of time because we develop habits and this is a way we react. Uh, for instance, I brush my teeth in a particular way. I don't have to think, well, now you brush up and down, up and down, up and down. I just do that automatically. I don't think about how to tie my shoes. I do that automatically. In fact, if you walk into a room and have people sit down, after two or three times they're sitting down there, in general, they will go back and sit down to the, in the same seat. You don't have to even tell them. We have a propensity, we have a leaning to work by habit. Now, culture is integrated. It makes sense with the worldview. If it doesn't make sense to you, then you don't understand something. Uh, now, what culture does, uh, because it's an automatic assumption, we usually don't analyze this. We usually don't recognize that our worldview is not perfect, and we, in fact, assume that our worldview is the right one, and we call that ethnic uh, ethnocentricity. Ethnos, my culture, or my people group, center. My way is the best way. When we move to a new culture, suddenly everything is topsy-turvy. It doesn't matter whether you're a missionary or a businessman or a government man or whatever. When you go into a new culture, all your ways of doing things change. And if that's a radical change, often we will call that culture shock. It's hard to communicate. Why? They speak a different language. Uh, the rules of living change. For instance, when we went to Suriname, hey, you drive on the left side of the road, not the right side. Take some time to adjust to that. Routine things take a lot longer. Why? Because we were used to doing it one way. Now you got to learn how to do it another way. If you don't believe that, take your pen and start writing a letter with normal. Now switch hands and see how fast you can write your letter. Uh, it takes a lot longer using it because you're used to using, usually the dominant hand, 
uh, to write the letter. Now, culture shock can really cause all sorts of things. First of all, it's accumulative, so it can build up. And it can cause physical illness, as well as psychological illness, as well as spiritual illness. And so, uh, all areas of your life can be affected by this culture shock. And I have seen people with physical complaints that was really due to culture shock. Culture shock goes through, as we know, uh, at least three phases. Some will break it down a little bit to more. First is the tourist or honeymoon phase. Something, everything is new. Everything is great. Hey, I love it. But as time goes on, now we're, the honeymoon phase is kind of uh, the tourist phase. You're here. It's interesting. Great. But tomorrow I'm back home and I'm back in business. But now you're stuck. You're here for the long haul. Maybe this will be a week after you get there. Maybe it'll be a month. Maybe it'll be a year. I, I remember having some problems about three, four, five months after I went to Liberia, the first time I went there. I didn't understand all that I was going through, but in retrospect, it was probably disenchantment from culture shock. Hey, some of the things I thought were going to happen aren't going to happen. That's not the way it's going to work. But as time goes on, you gradually work through a resolution phase, and you really want to get to that point. If you are stuck in the disenchantment phase, if you don't look out, you can actually quit before things really start to get much better. Now, the converse is also true. You go back home after you've really adjusted for years, let's say, to one culture. You go back to your old culture, and you have what they call reverse culture shock. Now, the people who really have problems with culture shock uh, in terms of reverse culture shock are those who have really done well in the new culture. Now they go back to the old culture and they've got to readjust their whole thinking going back to the old culture. And if it's been a while, as it is if you've been out of the country for years, like a missionary, for example, the old culture isn't what it was before and you have reverse culture shock. What can you do for that? Well, first of all, re recognize this as a normal thing and recognize what's making you anxious and begin to learn solutions. Now, one of the things that's very important is to get into the culture before you have done so many coping mechanisms that you shut the culture out. Get around. Build trust with the people. Build acceptance with the people. And what is very helpful early is to come as a learner. You cannot do that later on. But if you set realistic goals. If you take some times out occasionally when you're burning out, uh, and remember, hey, I am not indispensable. God did have this culture going before I came. He will have it after I'm gone. And be willing to share your burdens with others. They can help you through these difficult times. It's also very helpful to be willing to laugh at yourself. Be thankful for God as to what he has done for you. Be willing to forgive others and especially to forgive yourself. And to quote Bill Galagrakis, who helped me when I first came here, he said, Blessed are the flexible, for they shall not be bent out of shape. Flexibility is a tremendous help. Now, we need to recognize that we should not have ethnocentricity. That is, that we say, my way or the, uh, the highway, my way is best. 
if we are ethnocentric, if we always think my way is the best, you're going to have problems spreading the gospel. And people are not going to appreciate you're not appreciating their culture. Sometimes we do that just to defend ourselves so we don't have to change. Not a good idea. And so you don't use my culture as a standard. We don't use their culture as a standard, but we use biblical norms. And what you want to do is then try to get into the culture. Remember, you don't come into the culture with a blank slate. You cannot say, leave your old culture totally behind. But don't reject them. Don't isolate. But also don't go to the extreme of going native because you can't truly go native because you're not a native. You have your old ways that are already built in. So the best thing to try and do is to learn the best of each culture, which is acceptable by biblical norms, and integrate it. Some people will compartmentalize, and when you're in one place, you do this, and when you go to another culture, you do that. But that's kind of difficult, and it's really better to take the best of both and put them together. One of the important things that we talked about, uh, by the way, in terms of culture, is limited goods. The idea is that many cultures, especially small oral cultures uh, and peasant cultures, will say there's only so much materials to go around, oh much, so much cash, so much positions, and so forth. And uh, if you get more, that means I get less. That is particularly a problem for insiders because they are competing within the framework of that pool. As an outsider, I often can come in and bring additional leadership and resources in. Uh, as I mentioned there, instead of having one pie with four people or one pie with eight people so everyone gets half the amount they did before, bake another pie and bring it in. You're an outsider. Identification with a culture can be done fairly easily in uh, such things as food. Oh, I love ethnic foods. And clothing is not too difficult. Language is a challenge. Let's face it, language is a challenge in terms of how we talk and how we think. Transportation is a problem also. One of the areas which is a much greater problem also is our love of privacy as, uh, and our love of individuality. And so we need to be willing to identify where we can, but recognize that our identification is going to be somewhat limited. However, what we can do is we can treat people with dignity, we can treat them with respect, and we can, as we are, especially if we're church planters, trust them with uh, some of the goods that we need to use and trust them in particular with leadership. You said, well, maybe they'll make a mistake. Yes, they may, but you made mistakes, and you only learn a lot of times by making mistakes. And so don't grow a power center and hang on to all the power yourself, but be willing to share that as well. I'm going to work, uh, talk about worldview for a couple minutes. And the worldview, I uh, want to remember first that there's a huge difference between the Western worldview and some of the worldview of the East. For example, the East tends to think of everything as a illusion, whereas we think the outside world is real. Uh, we believe in a rational world under, national, under natural laws, and on this concept, science flourishes. If you believe that the, the uh, 
world is an, an emanation of some power and is not really real. And you can't rely on things. Things change all the time. Very hard to have science with that. However, one of the things that has happened in the Western view is we have gone too far and we have separated out now science and religion, which should not be separated. Uh, certainly not biblical religion and science are compatible. We Americans also have a tendency when we are working with uh, nature to dominate it. We conquer space. We, uh, we destroy diseases. Uh, and so forth. And sometimes when we are doing this, we actually misuse nature rather than integrating our life into the nature. Now, you don't have to let nature run over you, but at the same time, there's a limit to what we can do. And often we run roughshod over the person's culture and over nature itself. Our Western values are often not biblical. For example, we often will say, well, the most important things in life are... Uh, happiness and comfort and physical health and a long life. But we don't experience uh, and think about the intellectual and spiritual development, especially the spiritual development, as important like material things are concerned. Uh, that's a very unfortunate and very non-biblical way of doing things. We also tend to look at things as mine, not ours. We tend to, to emphasize private ownership rather than group ownership. And thus, when we're in a group ownership culture, they will look at us as greedy and self-centered. We also are very time-oriented, and the time is money, and we've got to complete the task, we've got to meet the goal, and we're not worried about relationships. Sometimes we run over relationships in the process of doing this. For example, uh, in the West, uh, it is quite possible for someone in an individual in a group, like a corporation, uh, if I don't like what I'm doing, if I don't like the corporation that much, I can resign. I'll just leave it. In many cultures, you're building around the family and the kinship group. You can't resign your kinship group. You can't just get out. And you need to establish and solidify those relationships. Also in the East, uh, is different from the West. The West, in terms of uh, your position, your rank and culture is often already determined by uh, your family, your age, what order you are in uh, the uh, culture, uh, what caste you're in, if they happen to be in a caste-oriented society, and so forth. Whereas in America, quote-unquote, anyone can be president. So ambition, and uh, knowledge and finances and so forth uh, are looked at as more important. We tend to look at uh, time as something you can lose and can never find again. That's a Western concept. African tradition society looks at the past as very important. Chinese as the present. We tend to be future-oriented and we tend to look at the visual as opposed to the oral. You say, if you understand, what do we say? Oh, I see. We don't say, oh, I hear, or oh, I smell, but oh, I see. We tend to, to look at abstract knowledge as more important than wisdom. And often, they will integrate this into stories and proverbs rather than historical fact. And this is very common in uh, 
the Bush Negro culture and Suriname where they're constantly using this type of way of communication. One of the reasons that we in America have problems is because we are of our orientation to time. We are time oriented. You want to get things done on time. You get there on time, you leave on time. Uh, what's important in the event is you, we're going to start at 9 o'clock in the morning and we will be done. Don't worry, we'll be done by 10.15. Whereas an event-oriented society, basically you start, well, we're going to start around 9, but you know when everybody gets there, which may be 9.30, 10 o'clock, and we'll finish when we're finished. And they look at the event as more important than just we're being on time and we're time goal-oriented. By the way, which do you think Jesus was? Event-oriented societies say you take as much time as you take to complete the problem. And if you complete the event, that's a reward in itself. Whereas we like to see time is money. Let's get our goals met. You see clocks. You see, uh, now uh, iPhones and so forth all over the place. And in an event-oriented society, you make sure that relationships are remaining intact where that is not so important in a Western society. You may run roughshod over people because they can't keep up. And thus we are a youth and efficiency-oriented society. We tend to focus on efficient operation. If we have to be lonely to get our goals, so be it. Whereas in a lot of places, they will accept not accomplishing as much, but working together. We don't like working alone. They use these occasions to build relationships, and many require the stimulation of the group to really get something done, and you accomplish your goal as you achieve it together. Whereas in a Western society, you may give up group goals to achieve personal goals, whereas they would say, give up your personal achievement to get the group goals. So, a missionary comes. He said, well, it's the Lord's money and the Lord's time, and so I need to focus on accomplishing my goals. Plus, it looks good uh, when I send a prayer letter out. So, you don't worry so much about relationships and what you are as opposed to what you do. Bad choice. Also, we run roughshod over people when we fail to recognize that amount of respect is often fixed because of the person's position, his position in the society, and so forth, and you respect him even if you don't respect him as a person with personal failings, and they will accept personal failings of those people in high rank because their high rank gives them a position. Now we do that to a certain extent as well. We often uh, overlook certain things uh, moral standards and such, and some of our presidents, for example. But in general, we tend uh, to look at uh, the status as climbing up the ladder, work hard, do uh, be efficient, rather than your status coming from your birth, your birth order, your rank, your position, your family, which is often fixed from the very beginning. Now, Jesus himself came as a servant, and he said that we are to be servants of others and not to despise others and to be willing to associate with lower ranks. So we have to have a balance, but the balance should be a biblical balance.
Now, one of the things that is interesting about culture is culture really determines how you think, act, and feel rather than your race or nationality. I remember reading about a black boy who was a grew up in China and was in all ways Chinese playing volleyball. They said it was not that he was playing volleyball uh, as a young black man, but he was playing volleyball as a Chinese gentleman. I remember seeing a missionary child coming from Japan. It was amazing uh, how she would speak, how she would cover her mouth and bow her head respectfully when she was talking to older individuals. She was, as far as I was concerned, seemed uh, perhaps more Japanese than she did America now to a Japanese, that's probably not true, but you could see these Japanese traits coming out in her. Why? Because she was absorbing that culture. However, we need to know that the Bible is above culture, and you can't just go and say, well, the culture says, for example, I understand I haven't seen it written recently, but I understand that in the culture of the Eskimos, it was considered polite to share your wife with a visitor. Well, that is certainly not fit with biblical norms. You're not going to do that. Uh, there are many anti-biblical things that are practiced, for instance, in some cultures like uh, killing twins or exposing them or... Uh, doing all sorts of other uh, trials uh, or trials by ordeal, a number of things that are just anti-biblical, burning your widow on top of the pyre of her husband, those things you just cannot do. And so in those situations, you have to say, the Bible says, God's word says, regardless if you're accustomed in this culture to get drunk and lose yourself, the Bible tells us we're not supposed to do that or immorality is common. The Bible says we're not to do that. So God is in, uses culture as an, adopt, as an adaptation, helping people to adapt, but God is above culture, and God and the gospel evaluates each culture in terms of biblical norms, rather than their own norms, and every culture has anti-biblical aspects and needs to be readjusted and rechanged to that. For example, in uh, Suriname, the most important individual, male individual for a Bush Negro in the past has been their mother's brother. Because often a woman would take uh, would be with one man, then be another man, then be another man. Maybe you have three or four men who get her pregnant, and so the children have different men coming and going. But her brother, of course, stays her brother, and so he's a stable figure. But that's not biblical, and it undermines the whole structure of the nuclear family. And so we can't just say, "Oh, that's fine." Also, we need to recognize that when we communicate. Our communication is focused and decoded through, first of all, our language. And the language also partially determines how we think. But it is also decoded through our worldview. And it is also decoded through our behavior patterns. All of these things integrate in. And so we have to be careful about how we properly 
do such things as present the gospel. And notice that Paul, who was very adaptable, when he was with heathen, he would start by creation. But when he was with the Jews, he would start in the Bible. For instance, in Antioch, he started talking about Moses uh, uh, at the Red Sea and crossing that and then started from there and went on to build his rocket. He was in Mars Hill. He talks about creation itself. So we need to recognize that all these things, our language, our behavior patterns, and our worldview, uh, as well as the language, are going to make communications somewhat difficult. Also, our messages are often decoded through social structures. There are certain people or certain groups or certain ways that are acceptable to, uh, to give messages. If you uh, looked at the book of Bruco, Bruco, the message was given in a song during the Festival of Arrows that the young boy friend of Bruco's presented the gospel. That was an acceptable method to communicate. We've never done that, but they did in their culture. We also need to recognize how decisions are made. Some cultures really, the certain things you don't decide yourself. You don't decide yourself who you're going to marry or ultimately where you're going to go. That is often a, like if you're going to go to school, how far you're going to go up. That's often a group decision and not an individual decision. And even so, this, the structure and the ways that decisions are made often makes a big difference in terms of such things as accepting uh, the gospel. So what do we do? We have to make sure that the person does have an opportunity to accept or reject Christ. We need to rely on the Holy Spirit to do that communication. And we need to make sure that it's not just a verbal acceptance, uh, but there's a true heartfelt commitment to Jesus Christ. In many cultures, people to show respect will agree with you verbally so they don't confront you, even though in their heart they do not. This is true in Suriname. People used to say, you can be sure, uh, Pastor, I'm going to come to church. But they don't mean it. And the Surinamers that were there knew it, but I didn't know it, so I was all excited. But they knew they, was, they were just being polite. Nothing more. One of the big dangers in these type of situations is syncretism, where because of our old worldview, uh, that we bring other things in. For example, Santerra. Santerra, what is, as I understand it, occurred in places like Haiti when uh, Roman Catholicism mixed with voodoo and often what was happening is they would simply substitute uh, for the names of Catholic priests, they would actually bring in uh, these voodoo gods and it would be a sort of syncretic uh, mixed together practice. They would sacrifice uh, animals or uh, chickens to the spirits and so forth, and yet they call it a form of Christianity. All of these things were mixed together. We would see this same thing in Suriname among the Creoles who would take the uh, Bush Negro culture, mix together with Christianity, and mix it together with practices that were really spiritism. Uh, as part of their culture. 
We also need to remember that in a lot of cultures, a real decision may not take place immediately, or a whole group may decide, okay, we're all going to become Christians. The chief decides, and so we're all going to become Christians. But then it may take some time to sort through who really makes a heart decision and the other group that makes a profession to go along with the group so they don't create a problem. But you can see, oh, they're not genuinely saved. So we need to be willing to recognize also that a delay is not necessarily saying no. A delay may be, I need to work this through, or I need to work this through with my family, and it is not a direct uh, rejection. We need to be careful to avoid, for example, uh, in Hinduism, uh, you can have all kinds of gods. They have no problem with Jesus. In fact, a young man, while I was while I was pumping gas for me, he said, do you have a picture of Jesus? I said, no. And I didn't want to give him a picture of Jesus because he would do what he did with all his Hindu gods. He would put them up on his wall and then worship them all. And that would just add Jesus. Why not add the Christian God to all the gods I have? I, you know, Hindus got it. Hinduism has 30 million gods, so what's 30 million gods plus one? No problem. Now, we need to recognize that Christianity works at a world depth area. So it's not just enough to have behavior. It's not just enough to even acknowledge certain beliefs intellectually, cognitively. We need to have a deep-seated change in our heart. That's worldview basis. And we need to remember that we are not doing this, or Christianity is not uh, be, uh, saying that the Western culture is best, my culture is best. A lot of missionaries uh, said you civilize them and then you Christianize them. Well, that's not true. That's saying my way is the best, my perception of reality is true, my worldview is superior, come to me. That is not biblical. And in fact, much of the Western view is not biblical. It's very self-centered. But the Western view also uh, is contaminated, or I shouldn't say contaminated, it's a bad word, but influenced by such Western concepts as freedom, individuality, and so forth. And we often go to the extreme of that instead of having a balance. And uh, I'm not saying that you have to have everything in a group, but the, the if we're other-centered, that is part of Christianity. We are to be servants of others and not have everything built around us as individuals. We need also to be very careful with the West. We have a secular worldview. Just look around us in the United States. That's what's giving us, as a Christian, so much difficulty with the main flow of our culture now. It has become secular. And so we don't want to have that brought in. On the other hand, we do not want to have Eastern mysticism brought in, which is the New Age type philosophy. And you will see a lot of people bringing that in. Or the health and wealth, which is another type of worldview frequently seen in the United States. And that is also not biblical. Well, I hope that these concepts have been helpful to you. Uh, and I believe if you understand these, that you'll do very well on your final exam, I'm sorry, the midterm exam, and so may the Lord bless you abundantly.
And a final reminder, what we cannot do in our own strength, he can do through us. So as we try to apply what we've learned today, let us yield it to him and ask him to live his life through us. And once again, this is Dr. Bob Patton from Making Much of His Missions, wishing you a blessed day. God bless you.